all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today, we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic that's caused so many disruptions to daily life, and children and parents are feeling these changes. So while the return to school will be exciting for many students and probably some parents, others will be feeling anxious or frightened. Now, some children will not be returning to the classroom, but will be engaged in distance learning. I know that's created a lot of controversy, and it adds another layer to the how can we do that anyway question. Um, For example, we have parents who work. What are they going to do? How are they going to work from home? Today, I want us to discuss how parents and children can navigate their feelings, um, their anxieties as they return to school in whatever fashion happens during this pandemic. So back to school in past years brought thoughts to mind about getting school clothes ready, getting supplies ready. What kind of new teacher are you going to have? The anxiety of a new classroom, the excitement of getting to see those friends that you've missed during the summer. But this year, the anxieties are higher and they're different. Some students and parents are still waiting to hear exactly what the plan is for their school. Some parents have heard what's going on and they're not so happy. Some parents are struggling with the fears and concerns about whether to send their child to school. Is it too dangerous? What if they get sick? Can I be a good teacher to my child if they stay home? Will my child get behind? Can I give my child what they need? I'm throwing out all of these questions that I've heard from so many people, and I know that you have them too. So as a developmental behavioral pediatrician, I have concerns. I have concerns about um, the anxiety, the socialization, what kids might miss from being in school. Most parents are not trained teachers. Um, What parents may not realize is that they are likely teaching their children daily about life, about safety, about kindness, about respect. But what they've usually left to the schools is that about academics. That's not all that happens in school, and I want us to talk about that. But a lot of the worries that parents have about not sending their children back to school are around academics. Um, So, 
as we navigate through all this, I've thrown out so, so many things. The other, the other piece that I feel really obligated for us to talk about today are the pros and cons of the face-to-face learning versus distance learning in, in all those many aspects. One more issue is that the delay of school opening and and how delayed should we be? Um, some school, I understand in Tupelo, Mississippi, um, the schools have already started. Um, in some schools, the plan is to delay until after Labor Day. And I know our Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics and our Mississippi State Medical Association came out with a joint statement about the delay of school opening. And so I'm delighted to have Dr. John Gaudet, a pediatrician in Hattiesburg and president of our Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics on with us to to talk about that recommendation. I know there's been a little bit of pushback um, going on with that. And we want to hear from you, parents. We want to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions about this difficult time um, that we're navigating through. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. And um, Dr. Gaudet, welcome. Thanks for being on with us. It's my pleasure to be here, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Before, though, we get to your comments, Dr. Gaudet, we do already have a caller. We have Charles from Biloxi on the line, and I want to pull Charles in and see what Charles has to say. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, yes, I just wanted to call and provide a little bit of input on what um, Biloxi Schools has just released uh, about um, an hour, uh, about a day ago. Um, uh-huh. The guidelines on opening schools, they're going to be um, giving us ID badges, so we'll be touchless, like, so we get our lunches, and they're going to be making sure we wear masks and we're going to be socially distanced. But my concern is how are we going to maintain that considering we have over like 1,200 people in the school and most of them aren't going to be doing distance learning. Wow, Charles, that's a great uh, question. Now, you are a student. How old are you? What what year are you in? Um, 17, I'm in senior year. Senior year. Gosh, an important year. And I know... Um, there are so many concerns that especially coming from seniors about what kind of senior years is going to be. So um, you, you're bringing up a really good question about how do you maintain that? Um, I think that there, there are several things that I know we all are recommending is that if you haven't been using a mask, Charles, that it's really important to go ahead and get used to wearing that mask, to wear it when you're out, to remember to practice not touching your face, not touching that mask, um, to remember to keep your hands clean at all times. I know, Dr. Gaudet, um, 
you as the leader of our pediatricians in Mississippi, do you have some advice for Charles? Because I think his question is a good one. And and one, I think I'm I'm very pleased, Charles, that as a, a senior high school student that you're giving some thought to this. So, Dr. Gaudet, some comments? Yes, uh, Charles, and congratulations for your senior year, and I, I hope this will be a good one and memorable for you. It will definitely probably not be the senior year that you had in mind. But you're right. There are procedures. It sounds like they'll, you'll be badging your way through doors. You'll be probably uh, uh, being, the meals will be either grab and go or, or brought to you. Um, hopefully the school will be able to keep you um, distanced from the other students enough to where you are not breathing, you know, not breathing each other's air. And then, of course, you know, things that you habitually do, whether it's shake hands or high five or whatever, you know, it's tough, very tough to break those habits. Um, so, and I'm sure the administrators and the teachers and the staff at your school are putting their heads together and coming up with, it's called mitigation, which means you're not going to be able to eliminate all risk, but we can reduce it. If we can reduce the risk, let's say prevent one, uh, a few people from getting COVID that might otherwise get it, well, that may reduce the chance that they'll bring it home to a, a, um, a family member who's more, uh, let's say, vulnerable. You, as a 17-year-old young man, I mean, you uh, if you got sick, I'm sure your body would be able to fight it off and you would be fine. Uh, but the odds are of a, someone else, let's say someone my age uh, or somebody with an underlying health condition, it would be harder to fight off. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, I, I, I'm, but I'm glad you guys are, that you are aware of it and, and thinking about it. So kudos to you for that. Charles, uh, I have a quick question for you. Can can you um, talk to us about how this makes you feel? Are you anxious? Are you sad? No, um, I'm actually okay with it. It's just uh, I'm having a lot of like stuff during school go on, like a lot of different programs and stuff. And I'm just my concern is like I don't want this to like affect it all that much. I heard they're still going to have everything. But my concern is that it's going to be like heavily restricted, and we won't be learning as much as we usually would. That's that's certainly a concern, and I think all all the the principals and um, superintendents, and certainly teachers out there, are really trying to come up with good solutions. And I know many have been working on it for a long time. Uh, one comment I want to make, in addition, is that we are lucky in the South, um, except for the heat. We are, we will be able to be outside for some of these learning opportunities. And I hope we know that being out of doors, being um, physically distanced at least six to nine feet is, is really a great way to mitigate some of the potential contagiousness that can happen in case there is someone who has it and doesn't realize it. So, um, outdoor activities, open windows, use filters, all of those kinds of things can, like Dr. Gaudet said, um, help mitigate some of these issues. But 
Charles, I really appreciate you calling. Thank you so much. And I'd like to hear from other students out there. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or some teachers, too, certainly. I uh, know. Let's stay um, before our next break, our first break. Let's go to Edward from Jackson. Hi, Edward. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Okay, I hope. Oh, doing well. Thank you. Listen, when I went to school, uh, you didn't get into school unless you, unless you had the required vaccinations for communicable diseases. Now, how can these kids, the teachers, custodians, or anybody else restart school without having been tested for this virus? And how do you know tomorrow, when you do go back to school, you didn't catch it from somebody else? And also... If this is transmitted and comes back to the parents and grandparents and they catch it, who's going to be responsible, financial responsibility for spreading this disease after the school is open? Well, well, Edward, lots of good questions. Dr. Gaudet, do you want to take a shot at a few of those questions and I'll make some comments too? Sure. Edward, you, you, you hit on a point that is basically it, it, it just – it's the whole discussion, you know, so on the one hand and on the other hand. So on the one hand, uh, we know this disease is communicated through, you know, droplet spread and in the air and in and, and crowds and so forth. Uh, and children do those things. They talk and they're, they're close to each other. On the other hand, we have to consider the fact in order to preserve the, the health and well-being of our children and preserve our democracy. We we need to educate our children. Uh, children rely on school, and Dr. Buttress has pointed this out uh, several times, not just reading, writing, and arithmetic, but also socialization. Some children rely on school for their nutrition and, uh, and meals. Um, uh, teachers can spot um, problems that may be missed by other uh, caring adults, you know, that children can, that uh, having them being observed, you know, if there's a child who is exhibiting, let's say, a, a behavior or depression or, let's say, signs of physical abuse or something like that, the teachers pick up on these things. So you can't, you know, so, but you're right. Uh, the question is who's responsible? Uh, you know, I don't have an answer for that. But I do know that uh, we as a society need to value our kids' education. And I think that sometimes we get a little weak in the knees on supporting our schools and our teachers and our educational system. And, and then something like a global pandemic sort of pulls back the curtain and you can see there may be some, some weaknesses in how we how – we, do it how we support it these so this is showing us yeah. that we really need to prioritize education and make sure that schools have what they need in order to teach our kids and do it safely yeah and you know um edward and to our listeners my my question and thought is why would we think that we need to hold anybody liable for the transmission of some, of a virus that at this very point we don't have any um, control 
or cure for mm -hmm. or treatment for or vaccine. So um, I guess if we went back to school and the school said, don't worry about anything, we're not going to protect anybody, you don't have to worry about a mask or hand washing, things that we know can help prevent the spread of this disorder, then, then yes, maybe that group needs to be held responsible. But if the school has measures in place um, to protect as best we know, as best science has told us now, because this is a novel virus, as we've talked about before, it's new. We don't know everything about it. We're learning a lot and um, have made amazing progress. And if you ever look at the science, you can find all kinds of great studies already done, but it's still novel. So in my mind, I, I really wish we could get over worrying about who's going to be liable if everybody's doing the best they know how and, and more how can we deal with this and how can we help others? That's, that's my thought. Um, uh, you know, I, I just would love to hear from others of you. So listeners, we're going to go to our first break. We're talking about COVID-19 pandemic and trying to get back to school and trying to take care of our kids and learning. We want to hear from you and your thoughts and your comments. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is to Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I'm developmental behavioral pediatrician at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I have Dr. John Gaudet on with us today, um, who is president of our Mississippi be a chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. We're talking about the back to school in this pandemic and the difficulties um, that we are all experiencing. Parents are understandably concerned about the safety of their children at school. I'm sure teachers are concerned about the, their safety in the wake of this COVID-19. Um, I just want to make a couple of comments. Um, the best available evidence that we have indicates 
But if children become infected, they are far less likely to suffer severe symptoms. It also seems from data, and I know they're continuing to gather data, that children seem to transmit the infection less often than, than older teens, young adults, and, and older adults. Um, that is being looked at, but in general, um, that's the way it seems right now. So, you know, the harms attributed to closed schools on social, emotional, behavioral health, economic well-being, academic achievement, which is something we haven't even gotten to, the academic achievement of our children in both short and long term are well known. We know that even in the summer, if you pull a child out of a school, that they lose upwards of somewhere around 23 to 27% of what they learned during the previous school year. Those losses can be even more significant in individuals with, um, with learning disabilities, attention deficit disorder, uh, or other special needs. So that is that gap in, in, and um, not repracticing and memory imprinting what learning they had during the school year um, really is real that we have to remember. So, okay, we want to hear from all of you who, who want to make a comment today. I'd love to hear from some more students. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672. 7464. We have, I believe it's Suzanne from Bahalia on the phone. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks for calling. Thank you. I have two comments. One, uh, I don't understand why they can't push school back to January. Mandate, a federal mandate for mask and social distancing and let this clear up before we push the kids back to school. Six months is not going to kill them or it could kill them if we don't. And two, all of a sudden, going to school is the most important thing in this country, and why, if that's the case, don't teachers get paid accordingly? I'll take your answers off the air. Thank you. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I like Suzanne's last question. <laughs> Dr. Gaudet, do you want to comment on that one? Absolutely, and passions are so high right now. This is an issue that really hits close to home, and and I appreciate that. And 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 for instance, when State Medical Association and American Academy of Pediatrics put out our statement, there was um, an immediate reaction. Uh, you know, Facebook and emails and phone calls and text messages and so forth. And you know, and you know. And of course, we polled our members before we made our, our statement, and, and there was not a unanimous, you know, people, there's a diversity of opinions about going back to school. And, and her statement, I think, is just really clarifies the issue um, that, uh, you know, why not? Well, it, you know, again, it's back to the, uh, what we were saying before, on the one hand versus on the other hand. But, but her second comment, why is it 
now it's so important? Well, it needs to have been important for a long time. And, you know, it, it needs needed to have been a huge priority for us. And that was kind of why I was thinking, well, now we're sort of getting under some scrutiny, like, you know, do we support education the way that we need to, to do it well and do it safely? And, yes, uh, teachers are a great national resource, and they do a job that is very difficult. And, and we just made it a thousand times more difficult in the middle of a pandemic. So I do agree with, with her on that, and I think maybe – once this is all over with, and I hope that we will reach that point sometime soon, we will now see and have education uh, see where it should sit on our priority list. Right. Um, just one comment that I I want to make, uh, Suzanne, about the the wait until January when this is over. Unfortunately, there is no evidence that this will be over in January. Um, though it sounds like we will have a vaccine toward the end of the year, and that is just amazing science at work, um, it takes a while to immunize people. And keep in mind, we talked about that 60 to 70 percent of individuals who are either vaccinated or had the, disorder, the disease um, before will have herd immunity. And that will be many months down the road, even if the vaccine comes out before the end of the year. So, um, you know, I don't think that there is benefit to delaying school uh, that long because it, it is. And there is some comment, even though uh, the the AAP and State Medical came out with a statement. Dr. Gaudet, do you want to talk a little bit about that statement real quickly before we get to our next callers? Yes. So um, we felt like, and the the boards of both organizations, after, you know, we, we surveyed other pediatricians, and like I said, there was diversity of opinion. There were strong feelings uh, both ways in terms of start immediately versus delay. Um, but uh, after we decided to recommend a brief delay. Now, that's not just because we feel like we want to kick the can down the road. What we want to do is promote in society, in our communities, better mitigation strategies. Wear your mask, socially distance, sanitize your hands. We're not doing those things well enough. The things that Dr. Dobbs and Dr. Byers of Mississippi State Department of Health have been recommending that we do. Young people in 18 to 25 or so thereabouts are many times congregating and they may be getting sick and then, but not terribly sick, but then spreading it to other people. And so we're actually in the midst of a boom of cases where uh, the, uh, even the, the White House guidance from several months ago came out and says, when you're talking about reopening businesses and so forth, you should be on a downward trajectory. Well, in Mississippi, and I know school is not a business, but in Mississippi, we are not on a downward trajectory. So we want the extra time to, to mitigate, this, to get that trajectory down by doing the things that we need to be doing. And then the other part of that is we need funding, streams of money to get into the schools because they've got stuff to buy, uh, to get ready. They need to... Uh, make, you know, whether it's com computers and broad 
band, um, internet, and uh, personalized protective equipment and sanitizing supplies. Right. Plus, if you distance those kids in the classroom, that takes space and square footage and staff, and you've got to have proper ventilation. And those are things that uh, cost money, and it doesn't come and, uh, free. Right, and all of that needs to be worked on. All right, we're going to go on our next break now, and when we come back, we'll keep talking about COVID-19 and back to school. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. I know before the break we had a little bit of a glitch, but we are back with you and we want to get right back to the phones. We're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, going back to school, the anxieties um, revolved around it, the necessity of the academic teaching, but how do we make it safe and comfortable and less anxiety provoking for everyone? So, all right, let's, let's go to Sue from Beaumont. Sue, thanks for being patient. Well, thank you. I, I was wondering, you know, you had mentioned, y'all had mentioned that uh, seems like young children were transmitters maybe, but not they did not get the COVID as often as anybody else. Is that true? It does seem so. Um, the cases, uh, the I believe they're about 17% are of cases are seem to be accounted for children. It, it also seems that the severity of their illness is less, although I think everybody has heard about the much more severe multi-system inflammatory uh, disease of children that has occurred um, across the U.S. Mostly it seems to be in the Northeast, though we've had um, some cases around, but in general, less severe. Can, can Doctor, I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think it could be due to children getting their immunizations when they were small? Maybe their immunizations were more up to date than anybody else because human, I mean, adults don't get their immunizations. Like kids are full immunizations, and maybe they were immunized in some re- for some reason that helped them not to succumb to it like an adult would have. Well, Sue, there's no evidence that I wish. I wish that would be the case, but um, we don't, you know, the, this particular virus, no one's ever been immunized against. And so you need to be immunized against the specific diseases like the measles virus or the rubella virus or the mumps virus. Um, Those all have individual vaccines developed. And that is why we've been able to essentially eradicate those 
diseases across uh, no, the U.S. I, I thought maybe the kids, their, their immune systems were built up more than anybody else's, maybe. I don't, you, you know, it may be that um, children in general are healthier, their organ systems are healthier, their lungs are healthier, their hearts are healthier. And so that very well may be the case. Uh, Dr. Gaudet, any other comments about that? Actually, uh, Sue, your comment is very timely. Yesterday, I just read a, uh, or, or actually I watched a video from California by a infectious disease specialist who looked into this, and some research is showing that there's something to do with the, there's something called a, a um, ACE receptor on the right. cells of the lining of the nose. And that if you look at the number of these receptors, uh, they and get more numerous as you get older. So I think it's almost like by having fewer of those receptors, the, the, it's like the kids' bodies don't, the virus doesn't stick to them as, as, as readily. Well, that's amazing. So they, yeah, it has nothing to do with their. I used to think maybe it's because they don't breathe as much air or something. I, you know, because, <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. It's or we think, of course, this is going to change. That's the way science works, as you learn yeah. more. But we think it has something to do with these nasal receptors. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. so and interesting? Yeah, there's been a lot of research on ACE. Uh, receptors just in, in the literature that I've seen, as you have, Dr. Gaudet, in just the last month or so, a lot about that. So that'll be an interesting development. But, Sue, good points. Thanks for calling and bringing that up. And, Dr. Gaudet, thanks for that new bit of information. Um, okay, let's go next to Daniel and Daniel is in Pascagoula. Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thanks. Okay, good, good. Well, it's nice to hear you again, Mama. This is Brother Daniel. You're doing a good job. I just want to say the parents don't need to panic. They need to handle themselves because the children are looking at them. They're watching their moves. If they feel that they can't handle what's going on, then, you know, they said, well, what's the use in listening to instruction? So, you know, as, as living in Mississippi, you know, and all the things we've been through and we've seen, it's always been about wisdom, humbleness, and trying to get to the truth and taking the time to find things that will help us benefit against the different disasters that we go through. Now we have something that we've never dealt with before, so we need to come together a lot more as parents. If you have to, bring, have your kids go to school with gloves, have them have masks, have them learn that as you listen at home, you must listen to your teacher. And those that cannot listen, then the parents that are home, then need to come in and help out with instruction. There's many parents that I've dealt with when I was dealing with Casa that had no job, they were home watching the soap operas and different things or getting high or drinking, and they weren't worrying about what was going on with the teacher until the kids come home and said the teacher touched me. And the only reason the teacher might have said something to the child because the child wasn't doing what was supposed to. 
We must humble ourselves and humble our children to be able to handle this this current virus, this pandemic. And I Daniel, think y'all doing a good you job. You are singing my song. Um, you really <laughs> are. I think parents need to remember that they are the model of their children, and the children copy what parents do, whether you realize it or not. And you've seen those commercials back. There were some, I thought, excellent tobacco commercials that uh, went on anti-tobacco commercials with a child modeling her mother smoking a cigarette. And I think it's just, it's, that shows that we have to remember that everything we say and do, if you complain about wearing your mask, your child will complain. If you don't wash your hands or if you're continually rubbing your face, your child may very well mimic that. So, Dr. Gaudet, the question has come to me that maybe you might explain a little bit more about the multi-system inflammatory disease in children that um, we've, we've heard about as we're moving along. And we do have time for callers, so let me throw that number out before I hand that back to you, Dr. Gaudet. Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Okay, Dr. Gaudet, will you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes, happy to. So coronavirus seems to be a very uh, versatile virus. Um, it's it's not you know the symptoms may be you know achy fever a tickle in your throat a losing sense of taste or smell, but there are other things. Um, you can uh, it causes, for instance, clotting. You, you know people can have blood clots, uh, and this appears to be part of some kind of inflammatory cascade of reactions within the body. And this inflammation can uh, flare up in organs outside of the nose or lungs. And so if you have inflammation, for instance, um, in your blood vessels, you have something called vasculitis. If you have inflammation in your kidneys, you can have nephritis. If you have inflammation in your liver, you have hepatitis. If you have inflammation in your skin, you have dermatitis and so, so forth and so on. You can have inflammation in multiple organs, including the heart and in the vessels of the heart called the coronary vessels. Um, and then with, generally with inflammation, you can get fever. And so this is – inflammation is basically the body's immune system going into overdrive and actually harming the your body's own immune system is causing – harm to you. And so this multi-system inflammatory disease in children is an inflammatory reaction that is, in, it's very rare now. I don't want to sell it like, you know, we just got through saying children, when they get COVID, they're not very sick. They're less likely to give it to an adult. They're more likely to receive it from an adult, but they're less likely to give it to someone. That's all true, but, uh, you know, a very tiny sliver of proportion of children that get coronavirus can get this MISC, multi-system inflammatory disease in children, and it is severe and it is life-threatening, and it is 
if you begin to see any changes, for instance, with your child with coronavirus or COVID, high fever or lethargy, their 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 sensorium, their senses are not, you know, they're not talking right, acting right, um, then they need to seek medical attention immediately. Right. Like we said, luckily, it's rare. Um, luckily, I believe we've seen maybe a case here in Mississippi. But, um, yeah. yes, you want to be aware and stay aware of that. And that's why we want to protect everyone from getting the disease. This is not a time for COVID-19 parties or anything to develop <laughs> the herd immunity. Wait until we know better how to treat it and wait until we have that vaccine scene out there to get the herd immunity. Okay, we're going to take a quick short break and when we get back, we have Lori from Gaucher waiting. We'll be with you shortly, Lori. Um, this is relatively speaking, we're talking about back to school in a pandemic. We'll be right back. If you're a parent on the go, but still want to stay informed about your children's education, subscribe to Mississippi Education Connections podcast and listen on the go anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. John Gaudet today talking about the COVID-19 back to school in this pandemic, how in the world to do it. Well, we are going to go right on back to the phones. We have Lori from Gaucher. Hi, Lori. Hi, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Great. What are your thoughts? Um, Well, um, I drive a school bus. And I have not heard anyone address how they're going to do the school buses. And I just want to just hear my thought process out. I heard that they were going to take the kids' temperatures when they get to the school. But they've kind of, um, um, you know, once the kids are on the bus, they're around so many others. And normally I have anywhere from 40 to 65 kids on a bus. So I really don't know how they're going to work this out. And you know, a school bus is like a petri dish. I've caught everything, everything you can think of on the school bus. And if there's something to catch, that's where people are going to catch it. So I would just like to um, get everybody's thoughts on how, you know, if anybody's thought of that or what, um, if anybody's heard anyone talk about it, because I know our in-service was canceled because we can't have gatherings of over 10 people. So I really don't know what the protocol is going to be. Just show up and drive. I really don't know. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Lori, what a great question and something that I've heard no discussion about. But you're right. The school bus, think about the number of students on the bus, the number of surfaces to touch, The fact that nobody often, I mean, I know, talk about a a difficult job for a bus driver. Lori, thank you for being a bus driver, and thank you for bringing this up. 
because there's so many issues there. Perhaps children should have their temperatures taken before they step on the bus rather than after they've had 30 or 40 kids together on a bus. So, Dr. Gaudet, have you heard anything, any kind of discussion about this? Well, a lot of discussion about buses. Uh, Lori, can I ask you, if you're still on the line, is it Pascagoula-Gaucher School District? No, it is not. It, it's not. I have drove for them in the past, but I drive for a different one now. Okay. Well, the reason why, as you were asking your question, I'm sitting here in front of my laptop trying to pull up what their, you know, uh, most districts have put out uh, advice or plans or whatever about how to do things. For instance, uh, some school districts may have kids, you know, group A come on Monday and Wednesday and group B come on Tuesday and Thursday or something like that. And then that way you have half the kids there and doing distance learning the other days. And so there's half, in other words, if you can have one child per seat on the bus instead of two. Another thing uh, I think it's important to have is the windows cracked. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. there's times where you can't do that, but I mean, understanding that, but um, ventilation will make a huge, you know, airflow uh, will make a huge uh, help. And those kids, even the little ones can wear a mask. And so we, we, I would, if, you know, that would be something I would insist on as they're climbing on the bus and then um, between runs, you know, diluted bleach and, and you've got to uh, wipe down those surfaces. And so, you know, you're right. And, and of course, if you have fewer kids on the bus, you either need to have more bus runs uh, or, uh, you need to have fewer kids to to carry to school. So that's where a lot of the places we're looking at doing the um, uh, A and B days. Uh, but um, and I know some bus drivers are asking for like a plexiglass um, barrier, uh, you know, so in order because like droplets from breath. Can, which can be stopped by a barrier such as that. So, uh, but you, all great points. And, and like we said, all you can we can do is mitigate or try to reduce the risk of transmission. And and if I was a bus driver such as you, I would wear not a cloth mask or a um, paper mask. I would get one of those N95 respirators and wear that yeah. tight over my nose and mouth for sure. Yeah. I think that's very good advice. So, Lori, I, I hope that helped. I think those were several great recommendations, uh, Dr. Gaudet, and, and all have been shown to make a difference. So, again, let's keep, keep trying to remember what recommendations are out there. So, Dr. Gaudet, in the last couple of minutes of this show, I'd like for you to talk to us a little bit, because I know there's been a lot of concern about flu season coming in to the fall mm -hmm. and with COVID-19. So what, mm -hmm. what, what are parents to do? How do they differentiate? Make, give us some advice on mm -hmm. getting that flu, um, flu vaccine um, mm -hmm. on COVID, talk to us a little bit about the recommendations there. So, um, 
thank you for bringing that up. And, you know, even though uh, COVID is not uh, exactly the same as the flu, you know, it can be hard to tell some things apart. Um, now, usually the flu presents, you know, with uh, just a sudden onset of these really spiking high fevers. Uh, I imagine that there will be a lot of people who would normally say, oh, it, you know, it, this is the flu, and then they would take care of themselves at home. In the midst of a COVID pandemic, they may be more likely to seek medical attention. So I'm a little worried about what's going to happen with, um, you know, um, at the doctor's office. But I would definitely, you want to, even though a flu vaccine is not a guarantee, uh, it's better than nothing. And and I would get a flu vaccine because um, if you reduce the chance that you could get the flu, uh, then you're not going to be, if you, if you get sick with the flu, you're going to be wondering whether or not you have COVID. And so, right. You know, why so it's going to be important, right, to get screened for both if you get sick. And that's what your pediatrician or your primary care provider will do, correct? Right. And so, and you can yes. get a flu test and you can get a, a COVID test. But, but yeah. yeah, to take care of yourself. Right. And maybe by doing masking and hand washing will help protect people better from the flu. Right. Health. Well, Dr. Gaudet, our time is up and you've given us such great information. Thank you so much. Today's show My was pleasure. engineered and our call screener was the multi-versatile Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.